0: Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello again. We're talking about the parables of Jesus. You know, Jesus is a genius. He told stories in such a way that normal, simple people could understand them, and he told them in, in simple language the language of the New Testament is Koine Greek. Koine means common. It was the most basic language that everyone in the Roman Empire understood, not the classical language that only the intellectuals understood. And he also spoke Aramaic, which was the language of the people. And he told parables, which are simple stories. But when you dig into the parables, they are so rich and overlapping and interesting and profound. And his disciples asked him right at the start, after he told his first parable, the parable of the sower who sowed seed into four soils, the parable, uh, the disciples said, why are you telling parables like this? And Jesus said something so shocking. I would have expected him to say, I want to make it easy for people. I want to make it understandable. I want to make it simple. But he didn't say that. He said people's hearts have become hard. They're not listening to God. They're not looking for God. Their hearts are hard. Their consciences are hard. And so I'm telling them parables so that the seed may bounce off unless they want to open their hearts up and make their hearts good soil to understand God's word. And that is such a challenge And it is surprising, it is so surprising that Jesus said that. And we see throughout the parables, surprising twists and and meanings and, and things that we did not expect. In the Matthew 13 group of parables, he told the parable of the sower sowing seed. He told a parable about a mustard seed, the tiniest seed that just grew huge. Uh, He also told a parable about a a seed that just grew overnight and just kept growing, even though no one really was looking after it. That's recorded in Mark 4, but it was almost certainly in the same day. He told a parable of the wheat and the tares, where uh, there was good and bad seed in one field. And the the servant said, let's rip up the bad seed. And the master said, no, we can't. We'll damage the whole thing. You've got to leave it to grow until the end. He told a parable about a lady making bread and a tiny bit of yeast spread throughout a massive amount of bread. He told a parable about a man who found treasure hidden in a field. He sold everything he had. He bought the whole field just so that he could go and search for that treasure again. And then he said, it's almost like a a pearl of great price that a man found. And he told a parable about a, a fisherman throwing out a net and he gets all sorts of fish, good and bad. And at the end of the fishing expedition, he sorts the good from the bad and the principle, the first principle that Jesus was trying to teach his disciples is that people can hear these stories and just get a very superficial level of truth or understanding. But if they dig deeper, there are surprising truths and profound life-changing truths. The first one was the power of God's word. He said the the seed is the word of God, the, the message of the kingdom. And if we let it grow in our hearts, it produces a wonderful harvest, a supernatural harvest of life, of fruitfulness, of joy, of peace, all of goods, all of God's good things in our lives. Uh, And and so the seed and and the power of the word of God and the, the power of a life that's in God's word, not in us trying to earn it by our own goodness, but just allowing God's word to get into our hearts, making our hearts good soil and then letting it grow overnight without even understanding what's happening. It just grows and produces fruit. The second surprising truth that we looked at was that there is mixture. In amongst the wheat, there are tares or or weeds. And in the good flour that the lady is baking to make bread, there is yeast, which is a picture of sin. In the mustard tree, that is God's kingdom, growing so huge. But there are birds of the air, which are not good. And uh, in the dragnet, when he brings in the fish, there are good and bad. There's a mixture and we need to understand that there will always be evil, that it's not God's plan or will, but it's only at the end that he is going to judge and sort out the good and the bad. And that changes the way we look at things. And then the third surprising truth we saw was just the value. What is valuable in life? The, the fact that God saw treasure in a field and he bought the whole field, the whole world, good and bad. He bought the whole thing. Jesus paid everything he had. He gave his life to buy the field because there's treasure and you are a treasure. You are a pearl of great price. And then we looked at some other parables about the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. And we saw how God values the individual so much and he wants to bring them back the lost person the person who was close to him as a child and wandered away God will give anything and everything to win them back and how we should win them back the parable of the wedding banquet where the the master of the banquet sends out the servants and says bring in anyone from the highways and byways anyone who wants to come good or bad let them come in and how we should be going out and not being in our little huddles of sanctified only church people, but going out and looking for the lost, because that's what God considers valuable. Now, those are the parables that we've seen, and there is amazing overlap and interplay between them. But today, I want to look at another set of parables that Jesus told, which deal with similar themes, but it's more about stewardship. What is stewardship? Stewardship is if I were to give you some money. Let's just take an example. Let's just say I'm going away on a three-week trip and I give you some money and I say to you, please will you look after my wife and children while I'm away? Here's the money that you need. Uh, That is stewardship. It's where I give something to somebody else. They're looking after it for me and when I get back, I'm going to expect an, an account or, or a report on what they've done, and there is some expectation that they use it well. And stewardship is such an important principle. In so many of the parables, we're going to see that it applies. So let me start. There's there's a group of parables that I'm going to read. Most of them are in Matthew chapter 25, 24, around there. But um, I'm going to start with one in Matthew 21 and verse 33. Jesus said, "Here another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it and built a tower. Are you getting the picture? A landowner builds a beautiful vineyard and he puts everything in it that's needed. A tower, wine press, there's a hedge, there's the vines. He leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. God leased it to human beings. Now when Vintage time, junior, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, stoned another. God sent prophets and leaders to his people to say, What are you doing with this world and this plan that I've delegated to you? But they treated them badly. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did likewise to them. Then last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. And Jesus was talking about himself. Could you imagine the emotion? When Jesus is trying to explain a story, he knows that some people are are hard soil, hard-hearted, they're not really going to get it, but he knows that some are going to dig in, they're going to want the truth, they're going to desire God's word, and they're going to dig in, and they're going to realize he's talking about himself, and they're going to kill him, and he knows it, and he's putting it in this context of a story. Jesus is a genius. He goes on to say, therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? stewardship. He's given them something to look after. He's trusting them with it. And he's going to demand an account at the end. They said, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, and on whomever it falls, it will grind him into powder. He was saying, I am a cornerstone. I'm crucial to the story but also you can't just go on thinking there's no account to be given. Everything you have comes from the creator. He made it beautiful at the start. You guys have messed it up and destroyed the vineyard and treated it badly. And when God tried to ask for some kind of response or came to say see how it's going, you destroyed and, and rejected his messengers. He will give an account, but Jesus says, I'm here. I'm the son and I'm here now, you can fall on me. You can fall on the cornerstone and you will be saved. But if you wait until the end, when the accounting comes, there is justice one day, for now it's grace, but one day if you don't fall on me and ask for help, eventually justice will fall on you. And that is the idea of stewardship. So let's look at a few of these parables. Matthew 24 and verse 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his father made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master when he comes will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming, and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of and will cut in two and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth jesus says justice is just delayed it is not done away with and you would be wise to realize the context of the world you're living in it's not just do whatever you like there's no accountability it's a it's a an entrusted treasure and you are the servant and the master has given you things to rule you know you and i have so many things that we have control over we have control over our own bodies and lives and emotions and decisions we have control over possessions we have control over other people And to a degree, human beings have amazing influence and control over the planet and the world around us. And God says, it's not yours. You're looking after it. But I'm happy to work with you if you'll ask for help. I wonder if that changes your perspective. He goes on straight after that to tell another parable that's exactly the same principle, but makes it a bit more personal. The kingdom of heaven shall be likened to 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now Jesus is the bridegroom and the 10 virgins are Christians. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Oil is always a picture of the Holy Spirit and God's life and God's power. And what he's saying is that five of the virgins, five of the Christians had God's oil in them, but they allowed it to run dry. They didn't foster their relationship with God. Uh, While the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Friends, Jesus is coming back. It may be today. It may be later, but he is coming back. And we don't know the exact time that he's coming. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps and the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. Some Christians said to those who were close to the Lord, oh, I've let my relationship go dry and dull and dusty and it's just formality. I no longer have a vibrant relationship with God. Can I please be associated with you? Can I say that I'm in your church or on your church list? Can I say that uh, uh, my parents are Christians, therefore I'm okay? And then in verse nine, but the wise answered saying, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you watch therefore for, you know, neither the day nor the hour in which the son of man is coming. He was saying it's a personal thing. You can't ride on the coattails of your parents, your family members, your church family, somebody else. Someone has said that uh, God has no grandchildren. You can't say because my parents are Christian, I'm Christian. God only has children. And your relationship with God, my friend, is your responsibility. You can't get it from someone else or rely on someone else's relationship. And also you can't blame someone else. Each of us stands before God and he says, I've given you oil. I've given you everything you need, but we need to be ready in a way. And the main message here is that we need to watch out and be ready and not wait until it's too late. He then goes on, <laughs> which I love the next one here. He says for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them and to one he gave five talents and to another two and to another one to each according to his own ability and immediately he went on a journey now a talent was a measure of gold it was very valuable he was giving them a lot of money to look after these were servants or slaves but in this parable they were given a fortune One of them had one talent which was a lot. Another one had two. Another one had five. They had different amounts but the master gave them something to look after and he went away on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five. The one who had two talents traded with them and made another two. And the one who had received one, went and dug in the ground and hid the Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents brought the five and the master said, "Um, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. Even though he had five talents, he may have compared himself to the other servants or looked at five talents of gold and thought, wow, I've got so much. I'm so great. But the master said, you've been faithful with a few things. And then he said, I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. The one who had received two came and said, I've made another two. And the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. The same reward. But the one who had received one said, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. His Lord answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. And he was punished. And again, we see stewardship. Now, there's a couple of really beautiful lessons out of this one. Number one, we may compare our talents. Now, you say to me, what are talents, Greg? Well, it's all the things God has given us. In this parable, it's money. But we in the English language have changed that word to mean abilities, talents, musical abilities, intellectual abilities, whatever they are. You may have received five talents or four or three or two or one. The first lesson is don't compare yourself to other people and think you're better or worse because in God's eyes, we're all recipients of a small amount and it just depends on what you do with what God's given you. If you've got two and you use those two, you get the same commendation and reward and pleasure from the master. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few. I will make you ruler over many. Come and enjoy your master's happiness. And if you've got five, don't be proud. Use them and make another five for the master. And there will be an accounting and a reckoning day. But the last person was ostensibly scared. He said, I knew you were a hard man. I was scared. I was worried. He had a wrong view of God. He thought God was giving him the talents as a way of trying to punish him. But actually, God was saying, look, I'm giving you this as a way of helping you to do great things. And I'm full of joy when you use them. And ostensibly, he was scared. But actually, the master says, you wicked and lazy servant. And and at the end of the day, God is saying to us, I've given you what I've given you. You may think it's a lot. You may think it's a little. You may compare yourself to others. You may have your own ideas of how God will reward you or punish you. But actually, God says, just use what I've given you. Use it. Use it for my glory. And we see in all of these parables the same principle. God has given us so many things. He's given us a vineyard with a wine press and a tower and a hedge around it. He's given us oil as the virgins had. Uh, the, the servant who, who was waiting for his master, he's given us control over things. He's given us talents and treasures and time. The number of minutes and hours you have in the day, that is a gift from God. And none of us know when the end of our life will come. And the message of all of this, the message, the, the twist in the tail is number one, God has delegated. He's not controlling everything. He's given us control of this wonderful world and this vineyard and personal things. He's given them to us and he lets us choose. He's not pulling the strings. You can't say God is making every good thing and every bad thing happen because he's delegated. That's the consistent theme throughout all of these. He's given control to human beings. Psalm 8 It says, the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man. Genesis 1, he gave authority to man over everything in his creation. And Jesus won it back from the devil. And now Jesus empowers you, dear friend, with the oil of his Holy Spirit to be able to use what God has given you. What has God put in your hand? You know, when Moses was scared in Exodus 3 at the burning bush, he said, Lord, I can't speak. I'm not able. I'm not qualified. And God said, what's that in your hand? Moses said, it's just a stick. And God turned it into the staff, the rod of God that split the Red Sea and did great miracles there thereafter. God has put things in your hand, dear friend. Your relationships, your experience, your abilities, your time, your money and resources. Everything God has given you is a gift from him. He's not given it in order to punish you. He's given it because he is excited to work With you to give you the ability to do great things for Him. You know, at the end of Jesus' time on earth, He said, All authority has been given to me, but now you go and make disciples of all nations. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. In John 14, 15, and 16, He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, I will come to you. But He was talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, I will send another. Counselor to you, and then he said, But it will be me coming to you. The Holy Spirit is Jesus being with us, it's the oil of his spirit. And if you will just foster that relationship every day, we get up, we say, Lord, thank you that everything I have is from you. Thank you for these gifts you've given me. I'm not going to compare myself to Brother Wonderful or Sister Susie or whoever it is. I'm going to just thank you for what you've given me, Lord. I love you, and I want to be busy using it for your glory. Now, the flip side of this, which the devil would like us to believe is that uh, God is pulling all the strings and I don't have to do anything. And the consistent message through all these parables is that yes, it is God. He puts his seed in, he provides everything, but there is a response required from me. I need to make my soil of my heart good. I need to not judge other people But discern good and evil for myself. I need to reach out to the lost and realize how valuable they are to the Lord. There's there's a response from me and I need to use what God has given me. When I was a new Christian, I was sitting in a garden with my parents-in-law and some other people. And there was a very, very well-known Christian leader from a massive worldwide ministry who was visiting. And they were talking about a recent tragedy where a Christian community had been attacked um, and all of them had been murdered in their their home. And they were talking about how could this evil have happened? How could suffering have happened? And this very high profile Christian leader just said one little phrase. He says, an enemy has done this. And I was a new Christian. I was sitting there on the outskirts, listening to all these high powered Christians talking and, and discussing. And I knew it was somewhere in the scripture, and it was from the parable of the wheat and the tares where the servant said to the master, why is there bad seed growing up amongst the good? And the master said, an enemy has done this. And it started me on a journey of understanding that not every bad thing that happens is what God wanted to happen. He says, I delegate, my heart breaks for the tragedies, but I'm here to help you through it. And there will be justice. I will put things right, but only at the end. And in the meantime, be busy extending my kingdom, getting strength and oil from me every day and using what God has given you for his glory. Friend, what's the the thing that's in your hand? Maybe it's an experience of the past. Maybe it's some abilities you've gained. Maybe it's resources. Maybe it's time, whatever it is. God is saying to you today, use it, use it, use it. Because if you do, at the end, we will receive this commendation. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enjoy your master's happiness. You've been faithful with a few things. Let me give you much riches. Lord Jesus, please would you help me to use my time wisely for you, not to fritter it away. Lord Jesus, please would you help me to use my treasure Wisely and to invest in your kingdom and to to give money to those who are extending your kingdom. Lord, please would you help me to use my talents and abilities and opportunities for you and to invest in building your kingdom, building your church, growing your kingdom. And Lord, help me to understand what is valuable to you the treasure hidden in a field, those who are outside of the church, and help me, Lord, to be reaching out, always reaching out to love the lost. To reach them for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.